So to, to rush through and, and try to make such a monumental decision of changing the entire architecture of your MarTech uh, implementation. It shouldn't be an overnight rush, rush decision. And and again, any agency that is forcing you or pressuring you to do that, you should think twice. Like, why are they pressuring me? Welcome to 33 Tangents, a weekly podcast featuring a rotating panel of co-hosts that all work together in the same company, but live in different areas of the world. The discussions cover a wide variety of topics from digital analytics to working remotely to current happenings in business and technology. Our regular day-to-day conversations often go off in various directions, and the goal of this podcast is to share our ideas and find new ways to engage with others. We're recording and we are back. How's it going? We're back. Good, good. Uh, I don't want to go all... What was her name? Elizabeth Holmes, who tried to copy Steve Jobs. Oh, Theranos. The, the Theranos yeah. thing. I, I went down that rabbit hole um, years ago. But uh, I I, I like... I'm, I, I got a bunch of these uh, simple V-neck white t-shirts and I got these uh, pants from Patagonia. I'm like, this could be my uniform. I could wear mm-hmm. this every day. Well, so I, I think we've talked about it, like why some of those folks um, kind of go with like a simple uniform of wearing the same thing over and over again, right? Yeah. Have don't we talked about think, that? Yeah. You don't have to think about it, right? It takes yeah. something, takes some energy off your, your plate to put somewhere else. Yeah. Because what they found is, is your brain actually has a capacity for mm-hmm. decision making and thinking. So if you're filling your brain and filling your time with what am I going to wear today and what am I going to do here and what am I going to do there, you're you're losing capacity to think about other things. And they they said like that was one of the way folks like like Steve Jobs and Mark, uh, Mark Zuckerberg streamline their day is I'm just going to wear jeans and a black turtleneck every day and it's just one less thing to think about and have to make a decision about. I'm uh, I'm reading this book uh, from George Leonard. It's called Mastery: The Keys to Success and Long-Term Fulfillment, and he talks a lot about routine. Um, and so his background is in martial arts, um, but he's like really you know whether you look at basketball or baseball or in the business world that people have these rituals and you think oh it's superstition. It's like it's not. It's not superstition. It's that they have this routine that they go through every time they do a certain thing and it takes that decision-making process away and it puts them in the mindset. Of, okay. I go to, I, when I go here, I make free throws. You know, when I, when I go here, I hit home runs. When I, when I'm on the mat, you know, I take my opponent down. It just, those routines help to get people in mm-hmm. that, that frame of mind without forcing the brain to say, okay, what am I doing now? You know, yep. it's just, it, it, it makes it a routine and it's, it's super interesting. Yeah. It's a device they use. To, to do exactly that. And have you ever seen the Kevin Costner movie um, for love of the game? No. Okay. It's one of his baseball movies and it's, it, it's a good one. And the, the, the movie is about a guy who's, he's pretty much reaching the end of his career. And it's, I think he, it is, he is pitching his last game. He knows it's his last game. Yeah. And so of course, through the course of the game, it's all of the various memories of of his career but then also intertwined with that is this woman he's had an on again off again relationship with and 
you know, he's on the mound and, you know, you could hear the hecklers and this, that, and the other thing, but then he has this device that he says to himself and you, and of course they, they visualize in the movie with everything fuzzing out. Mm -hmm. the, the, the crowd noise goes away. The crowd itself becomes blurred and it's just him, the batter, the catcher and the umpire. That's the only thing in focus. And his, his phrases engage the mechanism. Mm. and it doesn't all of a sudden everything blurs everything out and happen. and he is just focused on that one singular task not letting the hecklers get to him not letting the crowd noise get to him all of that yeah yeah no it's 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 fascinating and clearly there's there's something to it um that it, yeah. it it works when you're able to to deploy it in a meaningful way so yeah yeah good stuff and i've actually the last couple of days i've been going down a rabbit hole of like various like Steve Jobs interviews. Yeah, you sent you sent me a few a few clips. Yeah, and I sent John those two two clips as well. And then last night I was watching a presentation he gave to a class at MIT in '92. Mm. So um, he, uh, I think it was before it was before he bought Pixar. It was in the middle of like him working on the next computer and the next step mm -hmm. operating system and everything. And it's funny listening to that interview, like it's a lot of the stuff is applicable today. Like the, some of the terminology he used um, and selling software. But the, one of the ones I sent you was this one quick clip and it was, um, you know, he was like, everything like you know you 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 think your life is supposed to like live in this box and don't hit the walls too much and follow it along he's like the people who designed what you think your life needs to be were no smarter than you yeah, yeah. or something like i'm butchering it a bit but yeah, it, was yeah. like, it, it, yeah. it hit me with the yeah like all these people because i'm not gonna lie i've, I've confided in you like i suffer from imposter syndrome there are times where i sit back and I watch these people like they've got it all together. They've got it all together. I'm supposed to have it together and mm -hmm. shit. I don't. And then you hear something like that. And it's like, yeah, the, maybe they are making it up along the way too. Yeah. I think that's one of the biggest hurdles to overcome, especially in the the business world. Cause you're right. I mean, we think we, and, and we look at all these big companies and they're like, Oh, they have it all together. But even if you read Steve jobs memoir and kind of go back through that history, there were like, rocky times and trying to figure things out and like i don't know if this is gonna work and you know but all we see is the end result and it's this kind of western infatuation we have with the results that we don't really put much thought into all of the work and there's a great i think i've shared it with you there's a great michael jordan nike commercial about you know, everyone thinking his highlights started the free throw line with his, you know, dunk from the free throw line where he's like, they don't see like all the pain and getting cut from my teams and all the hard work I put in. And, you know, that's what's really more important than this, this in thing. But, you know, we just attach to this in thing. It's like, ah, they have it all figured out. I'm like, no, they don't. They've worked their ass off to, <laughs> to get to this point that look like they've got it all yeah. figured out. But even still every day, they're still short working on getting better. Yeah. And it was just, it was one of the, the, that one interview kind of hit me at the right time. And it was like, yeah, you know what? Everybody else is trying to figure it out along to there too. Mm -hmm. And you know, like, yeah, they're, they're not much smarter than you are. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. We got to get uh, rid of this imposter syndrome thing. Cause I think it holds a lot of really smart and talented people back from doing and creating a lot of amazing things. Yeah. Because we have, we've, we've become addicted to the 
someone had an idea, then fast forward 15 years. Yeah. And their product is changing the world. Right. Right. Yeah. But we don't see the 15 years of all the grind and work and pain and yeah. stress. And yeah. 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 So cool. So let's transition into our, our topic for today. And I want to continue talking about agency services, you know, specifically in the digital analytics space. And last week we were talking a bit about why, um, why someone would need to hire an agency and with the thought process that goes into it, questions you should ask. And what we're going to talk about today, I was actually going to save it to the end. I was going to kind of tease it and kind of be the fun <laughs> the fun topic, but after something happened yesterday, I'm like, no, 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 we're bumping this up because we were, we were chatting about a real world example this morning. I'm like, now we got to keep this conversation going. So I want to talk about red flags when it comes to services and, and agencies. I, you know, they, after, after a bad experience, no matter where you are in life, and I'm going to get a little philosophical here, no matter what it is in life, after you've had a bad experience, most people are like, you know what? I should have seen that coming. I should have recognized this. I should have recognized that. I should have seen the warning signs. And just like that with, with agencies, there are warning signs. There are red flags you need to be aware of that could lead to, to a poor experience and even an expensive poor experience um so let's just dive right in like what are red flags that people should be looking out for if they are hiring an agency they have hired an agency what should they be aware of so so first of all i think people that are looking to hire an agency should be a bit cautious in general and I say this, you know, in the, this is the business that we're in. But to, to your point, probably every person that has had any kind of exposure to an agency has had a bad experience with consulting. It, it's just the reality. Most agencies are bad at what they do. Um, and so, you know, people should be cautious going into it in the first place. And again, I say that as running an agency. And when I hear people say it, I could get mad. I'm like, no, they're right. You know, yeah, most are bad. And so, you know, we have that to overcome. But getting past that, there there are a few key things to to think about. And this is true with agencies as the same as going down and buying a car off the car lot or a piano from the music store. Um, there there are certain tactics that that agencies use that to me are, are immediate red flags. So if an agency is more interested in creating immediacy and fear rather than creating stability through education, that's a red a red flag, right? So agencies coming in, okay, let's just take GA4 right now. I, this could have been what was a couple of years ago, Adobe DTM to launch, right? So anytime there's some kind of a deadline coming up, it's a prime opportunity for unethical agencies to use that to drive a lot of fear, especially in companies that are not educated and in a position to make an informed decision on it. So um, again, GA4 is a big one in our space right now. If you're a free GA customer, we're coming up really quickly on a deadline where universal analytics isn't going to work anymore. 
And that's going to be very quickly followed by, by a deadline if you're a Google 360 customer paying for it. And so what these agencies do, instead of going in and saying, hey, here's where you're at, here's what you need to know, um, here's some things to think about, they go in like, oh, if you guys don't do this, like right now, like literally you're going to lose all your day, like, you know, your business is going to go out of business tomorrow. Here, you're done. It's over. Forget about it. You might as well just lay everybody off. And they create all this panic and, and fear. And the idea is that you want to get the buyer off balance so that they don't think logically through what they're buying and they just buy out of fear because, oh, yeah, we're we're running Universal Analytics and it's going to go away. Like, oh, yeah, what, what do we do? So anytime that that um, that tactic of immediacy and fear is used, to me, it's an immediate red flag. Now, are they always doing it in a unethical way? Not always. Sometimes they just may be bad at communication. But regardless, if you if you see that approach happening, you should put up a stop sign. It's like, wait a minute. We need to slow this down and think more rationally uh, about the situation. Um, and one of the questions that you should ask yourself is, who benefits the most by them taking this approach? And oftentimes, if you think through it long enough and carefully enough, you'll you'll come to learn that a lot of the times that these tactics are used, it's because the agency is benefiting. Now, they may do a really good job of spinning it as, you know, we're doing this for your benefit. The reality is it's very clear that they're doing it for, for their benefit. Um, and, and I guess a, a sister, brother, a right along with that is, is also agencies that use a similar tactic of, I guess, fast talking um, and trying to get you to feel like you're missing out. There's something happening. All your other, you know, people in your space, your competitors are doing this. And by the way, we don't have time to really analyze it and give you all the documentation and knowledge. We have to go now again, like anytime there's this immediacy, it's like, wait a minute, why are they putting so much pressure on me? Why, what is there happening that they don't want me to learn about or think about or read about or go ask other people about before I sign the contract? So um, it's the classic FUD in sales, right? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Those are immediate red flags in any conversation with an agency. If they're coming in and their primary motive is, I'm trying to scare you, I'm trying to create uncertainty, like, oh, yeah, what are we going to do if Universal goes away? What, what, what's going to happen? And then doubt. And we see doubt a lot. And this is where I better be careful because I get really frustrated because you have a lot of agencies that are really good at, at finding. And right now in our space, we see it with the marketing teams that are the targets. Agencies will come in, they'll partner with the, the, the marketing team in an organization, and they'll immediately start crafting a narrative of why they should doubt the analytics team within their company. And the reason they're doing that is they want to diminish the value and the voice of the analytics team so the agency can push their narratives without being questioned by the analytics team. So it's as old as time, but keep that three-letter acronym top of mind that if you're talking to an agency and they're primarily pushing fear and uncertainty, doubt, any combination of those, massive, massive red flag. Yeah, and I like the that you brought up with the fear, uncertainty, and doubt is the immediacy behind it. Don't think. There isn't time to think. We don't have time. We got to go right now. We, we, we got to do it now. We have to be prepared for when this comes because when this comes, 
everything's going to break and you're going to be left out in the cold. Yeah. And, and again, the reason they're pushing that is that they don't want, they want you to make an emotional decision. They don't want you to make a logical informed decision because if you were, you may not choose that agency. You may choose a different path, right? And so they're they're really relying on you making an emotional decision in the moment, and they're pushing you away, steering you away from slowing down to make a more reasoned, logical decision. Yeah, and then you you, you touched on it briefly, but I think it could really also be focused in on too as part of the the fear, uncertainty, and doubt is the fear of missing out. Yeah. Like, I mean, that, that's a common trend we're just seeing in life these days of, you know, I'm, I'm missing out on this or everybody's out doing that, but I'm not when yeah. it's not really the case. It, it's the same thing. All, all of your competitors, all of the other people in your space have made this upgrade. They've made this switch. Do you want to be the ones that didn't? Yeah. We it, see. It, it, it's a high school peer pressure. Thing. It is. And it works. Yeah, uh, it, it works. And and we're seeing that right now with server side. Um, we're seeing agencies, you know, push that and say, well, all your competitors are using it and they're going to have a one up on you and they're going to steal all your customers. And then we have to go in and say, by the way, if you guys do this, you're going to be like a super early adopter. <laughs> we're not even talking, you know, middle of the curve, let you're alone laggards. Edge. You're you're on the edge. Like most companies aren't doing this right now. So is it something companies are moving towards? Absolutely. Are you a laggard? No, you're on the opposite side of that adoption curve right now. So don't let them persuade you with, with outright lies. Yeah. And you know what? This might come back to bite me in, in a couple of years. Um, but right now, the conversation around server side is just driving me nuts. <laughs> um, and, and, and when people come to me advice, just again, in general, I'm, I'm drawing some parallels just with in general and life right now. Like when people say, like, what do I do? What do I do? I'm like, if you're not sure, do nothing. Just let it sit. Yeah. The answer will will come to you. Don't make a rush decision. If you're being pressured to pick A or B, pick neither and kind of just let it let it sit. And I mean, I I will say I am completely I could be completely wrong about this, but I just feel with like server-side tracking, server-side measurement while there's definitely some worthwhile components of it it's not this savior at least in its current iteration it is not this savior that everybody talks about if anything yeah. i see it as as a trojan horse to be pulled into a walled garden yeah i mean and so is there going to be strong server to server transactions from an analytics martech perspective in the future absolutely yeah. right but is it where the vendors are saying it is today and absolutely not it's nowhere right? near and, that and you know uh, so a lot of this for for listeners that may not be aware this is a repeating pattern in in analytics um especially in digital analytics where you collect behavioral data something happens the browsers change something search engines change something everyone panics and then there's some sort of new technology that addresses it. So in the early 2000s, you, everyone was collecting data from third-party cookies. And then all of a sudden, the browsers came out and said, no, we, we're, we're going to lock down on those. And everyone's like, oh, it's the end of analytics. No, then we came up with first-party cookies through like this weird C-name handshake between servers, and it worked, right? And then it's something else, and it's something else. And it's the same thing with this. We're, you, you know, we're at that kind of early phase where we're, you know, ITP and Google saying, you know, we're getting rid of cookies and the cookie window shrinking. Yeah. All those things are happening. 
and you and you have to assume that vendors are going to continue to look for creative solutions to to get around that and server site is absolutely something that could potentially get around that but to say that it's in full operation today that the vendors are saying this is simply not true there's no evidence that that's true yeah and, and where i was going with this is, is is it's like it's also being pitched as this is the savior that will solve all of your problems right it's not right. yet proven to be that way and hey listen in a couple years if i'm proven wrong i will fully admit it i'm just i'm looking at this like i feel like this is the third time i've been through this rodeo it's not gonna it's not gonna solve all your problems it will solve some of your and it's going problems. to create new ones well, that's the thing right so it's going to create new problems it, it's going to address current issues but then we're going to get there and then we're going to have new problems to deal with it's just, we've we've been through this before right so we just have to expect that yeah. is going to happen so yes i mean i think to pitch it as this is going to future proof everything and solve all your problems i think is misrepresenting what it it can do um, but I think worse than that right now is to position it as something that is somewhere that it's not is really frustrating to me. And yeah. I, I've been in conversations and the the company will go unnamed that was talking about it, said, well, we have to move to server side. That's the only way any of this works. And I said, great, ta- tell me how this is going to work. And they went on to explain, well, this, this, and this plugs in here and this goes over there. I'm like, Okay, so you're saying I still need a first-party cookie on my website and a client-side implementation to make this work. So where's the pure server-to-server implementation that this is fixed? Well, I mean, yeah, J- yeah, Jason, okay, fine. Technically, you're right. It's still a client-side implementation, but we're laying the groundwork for when in the future it's possible. Then we just flip a switch and it's pure server-to-server, but it's not today. Well, no, technically it's not today. You still have to have a cookie, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, fair enough. Let's yeah. let's be a little bit more blunt and transparent with the companies we're selling this to then that that's the case. And look, if you're selling it as being prepared for the future and you're laying the foundation, fine. But don't go in there and say, this is pure server side. It addresses all these issues. And then when someone says, but wait a minute, I still need a cookie. And you're like, well, well yeah. I'm like, guys, come on, really? You, you can't be a bit more upfront and authentic about what's really happening here. So it it's, it's frustrating. It, yeah. It's frustrating. Yeah. And to start to bring it around back to, to the topic today, we were talking about, you know, agency, you know, red flags. In this case, we're talking specifically about like the immediacy, immediacy and the fear of missing out with it. You know, another thing that ties in that I've seen about the server server side, tracking and the need to jump on it right now is the oversimplification of how to roll it out because to your point it's not fully fleshed out it's i don't know of anybody that is fully leveraging it yet they might be leveraging it in pieces yeah i don't know of anybody that was easily able to roll it out without a tremendous amount of pain as well as vendor tool upgrades and and to your point it's not it's not an all or nothing. It's not all client side or all server side. Even companies today that may be doing a lot of communication server side still have a pretty extensive client side implementation. So, you know, if, if you think server side is just going to come in and be this neat compartmentalized thing where all of a sudden we lift everything up from our client side implementation and put it server side, you're going to be wrong. It's it's simply not. There there's not the technology in place to make that that happen today. So you're signing up now 
to manage two implementation architectures when you couldn't even manage one. Yeah. So, you know, that that's going to be a challenge in and of itself. And one of the things that that people aren't talking about is we're putting a tremendous amount of faith and trust in I don't know what this middleware piece we call is, but it's been the traditional tag management space that are now offering these server side solutions. It's it's essentially a black box. So today, at least I see what's going in and what's coming out, right? If I'm doing a Google implementation, I see the data that's being fed into the tag manager. I then see the call that's then constructed and sent to Google. I can understand what's happening there. I can actually go into the tag manager and modify that code and that functionality to, to handle that communication. When you go server side, that's all taken away from you. So we, we can see what goes in. We can't see what goes out, right? We can see the data we put into the tag manager, into the server side solution, but we don't know how it's packaging up that data. And when the data goes out, I mean, sure, each of those tag managers may provide some solutions to you, but it has to be authenticated. Like, I can't just go onto the website and see the data streaming. So now it's kind of further locked down. Um, and ultimately, we're talking about API communication. So an API from Telium talking to a Google API. And now we're saying, we trust you, Telium. We trust you, Adobe. We trust you, Google. Whoever's running these middleware pieces to have these API connections rock solid and maintained because it's now out of our hands. We can't touch those APIs. We can just send data to them and then hope that they're talking back and forth correctly. And that's that's a lot of trust for a fairly emerging technology in the market yeah. space. And that's why I think like people who jump on it now, you were jumping on the bleeding edge. Mm-hmm. This is like beyond early adopter. Mm-hmm. So you're you're going to go through a lot of pain. You're going to be the beta test for it. I had um, I had a company reach out to me in the hospitality space, not one of our clients, saying, "Hey, um, how much experience do you guys have doing full blown server side implementations?" Because we're talking to this other agency that has blah blah blah. And they say quite a bit. I'm like, they're lying to you. <laughs> like no one does, right? Like. Sure, we participated on alphas and betas with Adobe's server-side solution. I can't remember what they call it. Um, But as far as helping companies migrate to full server-side, dude, I'm like, dude, you're one of the first ones in the world to do this. If you're out there trying to find people that have tons of experience, you're going to either find a lot of people saying, I have no idea, or you're going to (laughs) find some some charlatans saying, oh, yeah, we've done about 20 of those. No, you haven't. (laughs) <laughs> you haven't yeah so. i i yeah I, I don't know many that have done anything especially like for any client of any substantial volume yeah but so so and then to, to completely bring it back around like you made me think of another red flag with to to think about with agencies and it, it's a you know agreements uh, around the engagement the cost, the, the the structure of the engagement, especially when you have agencies pitching something new like this. What is the, one of the major complaints you hear about clients um, or, or organizations that have been built, uh, burned by agencies? It's, you know, they said, we got sold something and then we went over budget. Next thing you know, we were getting invoices for 
a significant number of hours. We were getting sent a new SOW because we need more hours because you know the project isn't completed yet. And it's just yeah. gone over budget. Well, not only over a budget, it's like, well, yeah, I mean, but we want to help you with that, but that's not within scope. And oh, we know we pushed hard for you to upgrade with your vendor and sorry that your vendor is saying you're getting overages now from your server calls. And yeah, it's again, be, this happens because we don't think through, we don't slow down enough to think through, okay, let's do it. Um, but maybe we need to slow down and figure out what are the long-term costs? What are the maintenance? Do we have contracts in place to support this and and so we fall into that we're missing out fear it's got to go right now and and we make a decision and then all of a sudden uh oh we didn't think through all the all the long-term consequences so i mean i think that's a great example of why we need to slow down right it's like okay i see you're pushing this hard but i need to slow down because i don't know that i have the ability i could pay for it today I don't know if I can pay for it tomorrow. I need to think through that. No, 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 we don't have that. I think, no, no, sign, sign it, sign it, sign the contract, <laughs> you know? So uh, again, these are things that have long, Im long impacts into the future that we need to think through. So to, to rush through and, and try to make such a monumental decision of changing the entire architecture of your MarTech uh, implementation. It, it shouldn't be an overnight rush, rush decision. And, and again, any agency that is forcing you or pressuring you to do that, you should think twice, like, why are they pressuring me to do that? And if you're comfortable enough, one of the questions, if you're, if you, if you find yourself in that scenario and you find yourself wondering, why are they pushing me so hard? It might just be for the sale, but it might be for something else. And I would ask the question, okay, can I ask you a question? Um, and I, and I'm just picking on, I'll just pick on Telium, but this is not specific to Telium. Do you have a partnership with Telium that if we buy this, you get some kind of revenue share with them and see what they say? Because I guarantee you, if they're putting a lot of pressure and immediacy on you, it's more than just the sale they're after for your service hours they're probably getting some kind of a commission back from a software vendor for recommending that you take a certain approach. Yeah. And, and they should be upfront about that. And, and you bring up a good point here because this is, especially in the analytics space, this is the not so secret, dirty little secret mm -hmm. of uh, digital analytics and marketing agencies they get kickbacks. The, 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 if you see an agency that's like, Oh, we're a certified, this implementer, we're certified with that one. That means they're a reseller. It, you know, they, they give you this appearance that, Oh, they've gone through the training. They know how to implement, you know, this or that. And they, they're, they're, they're premium partners on, they know all of the, the details. No, it just means they're a reseller. Sadie hates it. Sadie agrees with me. And, and agrees. And I, and I hate it as well. Um, and I will keep talking about this and I don't care how many agency people I make upset because every time I talk about like, Oh, Jason, you don't get it. It's like, no, 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 we're real partnerships and it's really meaningful. And it's helpful for our clients. No, it's not. No, it's not. Yeah. So this is going back many, many years ago. Um, the uh, 
the, 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 the company I was working for at the time, I was working on the agency arm of it. And, and then we signed a, a partnership. They were going to be like our, our partner of choice for this particular technology. And you come to realize it was all it was, was just their sales team was looking at it like, Oh, this gives us premium access. It gives us priority access to your client list to start making calls immediately immediately and that's all they saw it as that's what that vendor saw it as is well this is a way for us to get into your client base and us to start making calls to you not no we're going to make sure that you're familiar with our technology and we can help roll it out and all of that happiness <laughs> the partnership model in in the martech world is is fundamentally broken um and i've talked to so many partner um leaders at, at, at vendors. And I've had this conversation with them. I'm like, guys, this is so short-sighted. Um, but they're so dependent on agencies being an extension of their sales team. They just don't know how to do anything different. And when they come talk to me and say, Hey, we want to be partners. I'm like, great. Is that mean you want us to be a resale? Well, that's part of it. Nope. Don't talk to me. I don't want anything to do with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, that's not a partnership. That's a that's a sales program. Just call it what it is. You're a reseller. You're not a partner. There's nothing strategic about this. You're simply positioning the agencies, giving them collateral support, whatever you need for them to pitch your solution. And it's bad for the industry. It's bad for clients. It's bad for everybody but the vendor. The vendors are the one that ultimately wins in that game. It's bad for agencies. And we can have a whole conversation on why it's bad for for agencies because I've been there. I've been in an agency that was a strong partner that got screwed by the by the vendor and ultimately led them down a very, very bad path. Um, but it's just it's just bad, but they don't know how to do anything else. And I, I tell this story, I'm like, well, haven't you thought about truly investing in your partners to be experts at at what your product does to to truly help clients get the like there's got to be mountains of returns on that long term. Like, yeah, 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 but it doesn't help us sell deals this quarter, like, right? And i I talked to um, I talked to the partner representative at Amplitude before they went public. I'm like, look, we have no interest in being resold. Great, yeah, we hate that model. I'm like, cool. Let's talk about you know how we can make this work. It's like, yeah, like we want to we want our partners to be experts and really service our clients well. I'm like, cool. Then like two months later, they go public. And then I get this agreement from, it's like, okay, so here's our reseller agreement. I'm like, yep, you're just like everybody else. Right. And so I don't, it's not just Amplitude, it's Adobe, it's Google, it's Amplitude, it's Telium, it's fill in the blank. It's all of them are using this model. And there are a few agencies out there that have said, no, this is bad for our customers. We're not going to do it. But the vast majority, it's hard to say no to free money it's like what all i have to do is say use this product and you guys pay me okay we'll be the spokesman yeah yeah it, it's when you get that hook you know when you get that hook in and that money starts flowing in it's it, it becomes very very hard to walk away it becomes very hard to, yeah. to say you know no we're not going to do this or we're going to recommend the tool that's best for for the client, like there was an agency I interviewed with a long time ago and I, I interviewed with them, didn't get a good feeling when I was out there. I didn't get the job, obviously. 
And then I, I came to come to find out like at the time they were doing um, free evaluations for, for potential clients on what, the, you know, on a new emerging technology. I am being vague on purpose. Yeah, yeah. I am being very vague, but there was a new emerging, you know, MarTech technology and we're going to do free evaluations. And funny enough, the, the vendor that they always recommended was the same each time. Right. It's funny how that works. It's, it's a lot like, uh, the company that comes out and says, Hey, uh, it's, it's time to uh, turn on your furnace in the wind in the winter. So we're just doing a free evaluation to make sure everything is fine. Why is it a hundred percent of the time that there's something catastrophically broken with it? it they can't be all broken all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah. My, my brother and I, a funny story. So my brother and I had the same, same, uh, conversation. So my brother is a union steam fitter. And one of the things he knows is, is HVAC systems. And o- over the summer, I helped him install like three different air conditioners, full like furnace, AC unit, all of it. And um, like it was shortly after Christmas. It, it may have been like the first weekend, first week in January. Like it was a Monday morning. <laughs> My mom sends a text out to all of us. Yeah, I woke up. The heater went this morning. But don't worry, I've got a repair person coming. My brother was like, no, no, <laughs> no, because at this point, my mom, my dad's not, not around anymore. Let, let, let's be honest. My dad's not there. It's freaking cold. The heat's not on. And her, her unit is a bit older, but it's not ready for replacement yet. Mm-hmm. You know, my brother thinks maybe about another two years and he's like, he can get everything at cost. So he, myself, my brothers-in-law, we'll go over and we'll, we'll put it in for a few grand versus 20 grand. Right. So he's like, no mom, just give me this information. She wasn't responding. So he calls me. He's like, can you go over and get this for me? I bet you, I know what it is. Uh, it, it, it was probably like $300 later. We got it fixed. We got it up and running. It's been running since, but to your point, if that, if that person showed up, he goes, I'm telling you right now, she does have about two years left. They're going to say, Oh, you need to get, you need to a whole new system right now easily twenty thousand dollars you know they wouldn't just fix it they they would want to to replace the whole thing let's talk about the flip side of it because i think yes right and that's what most agencies are like they're they're selling you these big things that you don't need because they're getting comped for it either high ticket price for something you don't need or they're getting kickbacks from the manufacturer or the product you know whatever Let's talk about when you get the opposite experience of that. So last summer, my AC went out and I was pretty sure it was the capacitor. And I had done some testing on it. I'm like, yeah, I'm like 90% sure it's the capacitor. So I had someone come out and look at it. He's like, no, yeah, you need a whole new unit. It's going to be like 8,500 bucks. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. Like, all right, I'm going to get a second opinion. Oh, no, we got to do this now. Like, there's like lots of people need work. So if like you don't do it now, like you're six weeks out. You want to be six weeks out with with, with no air conditioning? Like, dude, I'm going to get another opinion. Called another guy up who was a referral off of some friends on Twitter. He came down. He looked at it. He's like, uh, yeah, it's your capacitor. And, and And he didn't stop there. He said, and based on hearing you talk about how this works, I'm pretty confident that you could replace it yourself for like 30 bucks. I'll, if you want me to break it down and replace it, I'll do it for like 70 bucks. I'm like, dude, I don't even want to mess with it. I got work to do, like do it. 
right? And so he did it. I'm like, oh, I got to hold on to this one. <laughs> you know, yeah. this is a good one. So the same should be true. We should value our partners in the agency space as well, because most of them are selling us the $20,000 HVAC unit that we don't need. But every once in a while, an agency is going to come along and be like, no, no, like, here's the, here's the deal. Here's the truth. Here it is. You know, this is what it is. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll give it, I'll give it to you straight. You tell me what you want to do. If you find that agency, hang on to them because they're so rare. They're like all of these, you know, salespeople that are trying to sell you the big ticket item that you probably don't need. Isn't there a Seinfeld episode about that with the mechanic? Oh yeah. Yeah. Where, yeah, and where, where he stole Jerry's car. So we're going to have to tear down the whole... Let me ask you this. How often do you own it? You got to change the... Like, okay, I'm going to need to put all these new things in. He said, I, I need to... He said, I need to put a Johnson... Oh, a Johnson rod. Yeah, and put the new Johnson rod in there. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't work on... Yeah. But it, it's in every industry, right? It's... You, you take your car to the oil change place. You're like, oh, this air filter is horrible. I put a new one in for 30 bucks. I'm like, dude, that's a paper air filter that's $2 at AutoZone. You know, like versus going to someone you really trust, like, dude, your air filter's bad. You want like the high end one? It's like 30 bucks. It's probably going to last two years or I can put in a cheap $2 one. We'll probably need to replace it next time you get your oil change. Like, what do you want to do? Like, <gasps> okay, this is the mechanic I want to hold on to, right? Yeah. But they're rare. Mechanics, HVACs, a- a- analytics consulting, <laughs> everything, right? Like most of them are this model that, I don't think they trust their skills and the value that they produce. And so they're like, how can we use high pressure tactics to extract as much money as we can right now before we get caught? Mm-hmm. It's the good ones. The ones that are confident in what they do tend to be the most reputable and honest. So I'm just going to lay it out here. This is what it is. So one more story before we, uh, before we begin to wrap up um, back in the early two thousands, um, shortly after my, uh, baseball internship where I was the mascot, um, I, I worked for <laughs> Comes up in every episode. <laughs> it does. I, I mean, it's my icebreaker. It's, it, it's, it's my claim to fame. Um, I was a minor league baseball mascot. Um, I worked for, for gateway, the, the, the computer mm-hmm. manufacturer, you know, they had the retail store. The cow, so the cow boxes, they yep, the cow spotted boxes. Yep. And I'm telling you, it was, it was a great job because you got flat salary plus, plus commission. And it was one of these things like this is when like a computer could easily be the computer prices were starting to come down at this point, Mm -hmm. but still like it was nothing for, you know, a $2,000 computer. If you wanted something really good, if not more, yeah. Um, the low end ones were on the cheaper side, but it was like one of the things I had to get over was, is the sticker shock, like Mm -hmm. present an honest solution to somebody. And if they need that $2,500 computer based on what they're telling you, just because it's like, wow, that feels a lot for me and feels uncomfortable to ask for that. You still got to ask for it because if you're presenting an honest solution for them, they're going to be happy with it because the other side of it is, is if you're like, I don't want to have to ask for that much money. You know what? Let me bring it down in cost. And you sell them something that doesn't meet their needs it's just as bad of experience if you oversell them yeah. and sell them more than what they need. Yeah. And, and that's where the true experts come in. Right. Um, and again, it's the confidence in having that conversation and guiding the customer in the right direction. And here's the key 
for what is best for the customer, not necessarily what is best for you. And the crazy thing is, is that what is best for the customer usually is best for you long-term, right? It may not be short-term, right? Like, oh, I can make more money if I sell Jim the computer, but you're not going to go back and buy again. You're not going to recommend them. So long-term, it's bad. Short-term, you may win. Long-term, you're going to lose most of the time. Yeah. So, so as we start to wrap up, one final question for you. What does all of this mean in the term in the 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 um, in the context of sustainable analytics? Well, I think you mentioned it right at the the beginning that if if we're making critical decisions about our analytics architecture and ecosystem based on fear, uncertainty, and doubt, we're most likely going to make bad decisions. And we've talked about this for how we run our business, right? We've, we, we've had lots of conversations around we're, we're doing this in order to reduce the future fear factor because we don't want to have to make decisions in a place of fear because when you make decisions out of fear, they're mo- most likely to be wrong. And so from a sustainability standpoint, if we're allowing ourselves to be pushed off center by all these vendors that are, that are looking out for their best interest and not our best interest, it's going to be incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to, to build any kind of sustainable analytics strategy. We have to be balanced and centered and think future backwards. And in order to do that, we have to slow these guys down and say, I get what you're saying, but we're building sustainably and we need the time to properly evaluate and think about things that are going to impact our ability to run a sustainable analytics program. Yep. Very, very well said. So let's let's wrap up there. Um, this was a fun episode. I yeah, mean, I knew it would be. Yeah, because it's it's definitely something. And I'm going to go back to to a saying I, I've really um, been attached to recently. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. No. What what we're dealing with right now, we're you know, you had the true snake oil salesman a hundred years ago, two hundred yeah. years ago. Um, this there's nothing new under the sun. And it's something we're going to continue to see. And yeah, like just when you feel like you're being pressured, that's the time to, to step back and kind of just let things, you know, see where things um, end up going. And if you find a good mechanic, if you find a good agency that's honest and, and treats you with respect, hang on to them. That's yeah. all I can say. Totally. Cool. All well, right. Again, yeah, this was fun. Yep. And uh, we'll talk to everybody later. See you. See ya. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of 33 Tangents. If you enjoyed what you heard, please rate and review the show on your favorite podcast aggregator so others can find us. If you would like to reach us, you can do so by emailing podcast at 33sticks.com or on the web at 33tangents.33sticks.com. 33 Tangents is a production of 33 Sticks, an analytics